Can you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of these, your faithful, and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I had the great gift of being able to take my daughter, Sydney, shopping for an Easter dress. And it was quite the experience. We went to lots of stores. And she found a beautiful dress, and I think she's beautifully dressed today for Easter Sunday. While I was with her, and we were going to these different stores, and I was waiting for her to try on clothes and things, I began to reminisce about Easter's past in my life. You know, Easter's past in my life were captured in little square photographs that were black and white and had bumpy edges around them. And, um, and there we were, my sisters and I, dressed in our Easter finest, beautiful little dresses, always a hat, always gloves, and an Easter basket. I see you nodding. I think y'all probably know. Uh, little boys probably had a similar experience, you know, nice pants, maybe even a suit, do you think, and a tie? Oh, my word. And then, it, it was, you know, we, we had all this stuff to do. I mean, there was Easter Sunday lunches and Easter egg hunts, and and then, you know, just growing tired and having to take an Easter nap. You know about all that. And then we were all with our parents and my grandparents and our aunts and uncles and cousins. It was amazing. Those Easter Sundays um, made me think of two Easters that struggle against each other. One is linked closely to the celebration of spring. I mean, it's hard to miss. The dogwoods in bloom, the trees are putting out their leaves, flowers are popping up all over the place. It's hard to miss the celebration of spring in the northern hemisphere. You know, um, and we like that. I mean, you know, we like associating Easter with spring. I mean, in our neighborhood, we look for the baby ducks on the pond. And um, it's a pretty amazing idea, linking the resurrection to the celebration of the coming of spring. I mean, it works, right? But the other deals with the disturbing prospect that God is actually with us. In the resurrection, God's power breaks out and actually can unsettle our world, if you think about it. I mean, I think we mostly like to imagine the story of the first Easter as, a, you know, just a celebration of the coming of spring and a new day. But according to today's gospel reading, we might just be wrong about that. All four of the gospels describe the first Easter morning, telling of Jesus' female followers going to his tomb. And as Perkins Professor Suzanne Johnson pointed out in an article this week, that according to all four 
of the gospel stories. Without the women going to the tomb, we wouldn't have a resurrection story. Now, I could go on about that, but I won't. That's another sermon for another day. At the tomb, obviously, we heard in today's reading, the women received the news that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Each gospel points out different particularities, but they all talk about the women and their fear and their wonder, their bewilderment, and their awe. But it is a reading we hear this morning in the Gospel of Mark, which is, by the way, considered by biblical scholars the earliest of the Gospel manuscripts to have appeared. And this telling tells us that the women are terrified and amazed. Those two words don't really seem to fit together. I mean, they are terrified and amazed all at the same time. The story concludes telling us that, quote, they fled from the tomb and said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is where the story ends. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Like a symphony that has ended with an unresolved chord, later editors would feel compelled to add additional endings that sound a lot like the endings of the other Gospels, if truth be told. But clearly, the writer of the Gospel of Mark makes it clear that the women left without speaking to anyone, not telling anyone, which implies, since we're all sitting here today, that they told somebody. Eventually, they told somebody. So what do we make of the fact that Mark ends his gospel with the women in fear and silence? I mean, perhaps the point that often gets lost in our Easter celebrations is that Easter is actually a frightening prospect, don't you know? I mean, could it be that for the women on that morning, the only thing more terrifying than a world with Jesus dead was one in which he was actually alive? Oh, get over the thoughts that we're afraid of ghosts because it's clear that that's not what the gospel writer means. That Jesus is alive in the world. I remember visiting a Catholic church with a friend of mine and uh, during the communion, uh, you know, the, the communion is all out on the communion table. And Everybody, after they take communion, kneels. And only when the communion is put back in the tabernacle do people rise. That is how powerful the presence of the living, risen Christ is in that setting. A powerful image 
of people being on their knees in prayer. And then when the, the communion and the wine is put back in the tabernacle, it's safe to stand up again. I don't think I need to point out to you that the women who went to the tomb that morning were seeking a quiet place. They wanted to anoint the body of Jesus with spices. They wanted to be in their grief, be with each other perhaps in their grief. We know grief, don't we? After the year of our Lord, 2020, surely we know grief. And we have rituals that surround our grief, just as they did. Though the pandemic and the requirement of social distancing has certainly changed our rituals significantly. We know how to look around at the anti-black racism, the anti-Asian racism, the struggles of families at the border and feel despair. Well, I hope we do. We know what it's like to watch the body count rise as mass shootings occur one after the other, only to have the country collectively shrug their shoulders because, well, we've kind of become used to violence. We know the hatred born of political division, the breaking of bonds between family members who disagree, the yelling, the screaming, the shared hatred. We put it all in the tomb that contains our dead hopes and dreams for what the church, the country, and the world could be, and we are left with only our tears. That hope and those dreams can be hard to come by. You see, the women didn't go to the tomb looking for hope. They were searching for the body of Jesus to anoint a dead body. They were grieving. The terrifying prospect of all of this is that God called these women back to the reality of the tomb and the crucifixion. They had to look upon it. That's what they expected, to go back into the world that was now an empty place for them because Jesus had died. It's a terrifying prospect, isn't it? And as they come to the tomb, they ask themselves, who will roll the stone away? They came to the tomb knowing that their hopes and dreams were there behind the stone. And they come and hear this bewildering announcement that Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. He's not here. It's a very dangerous gift. Hope in the power of God, the unending reservoir of forgiveness and the abundance of love. Well, it would make them appear to be fools, wouldn't it? Who could believe such a thing? And yet here we are, as Christians, at our best, fools who dare to believe in God's power to call dead things to life. Now, I want to tell you right now, to listen to the plans of a lot of people right now in the United States and around the world, um, 
we are turning the pandemic into a party. Rejoicing. And we should, you know, we should rejoice that people are getting vaccinated. We should rejoice that there are fewer deaths. We should rejoice that there are fewer infections. I mean, we don't have to make this a dour thing. I mean, parties have their place, right? Can I get an amen for that? Yes, they do. But as we leave the tombs of our quarantine, a return to normal would be a disaster unless we recognize that we are going back to a world desperately in need of healing. And the shadows that surround us are everywhere as this deadly virus continues to mutate and we don't know what's going to happen next. What if we turn this into resurrection? What if in this 50-day season of Easter that will follow this Easter Sunday morning, this Sabbath tide could present us opportunities, the opportunities of hailing and encouraging vaccinations, reframing acts of masking and physical distancing as life-giving acts of Easter solidarity? What if we underscored the importance of taking care of each other the shining light on the inequities the pandemic has laid bare. Of course, part of Sabbath keeping is, of course, remembering those who cannot easily keep Sabbath because of their jobs. So that's what I wonder. Can we make the source of our healing the stone rolled away, revealing an empty tomb? Isn't that what God is wanting us to see on this Easter Sunday? Because I believe more than once, you and I have said to ourselves, who will roll the stone away from this part of my life that imprisons me? What good news are you longing for today? Are your hopes sealed in a tomb because of the death-dealing powers that that seem to have the upper hand? If so, do not be afraid. Are your hopes and dreams sealed in a tomb because you feel isolated and lonely? If so, do not be afraid. Are your hopes and dreams sealed in a tomb because of the despair of guilt you may feel and that you just don't trust God enough to forgive you? If so, do not be afraid. Or maybe your hopes and dreams are sealed in a tomb that is born of the despair in the midst of pain and suffering, anguish. If so, take heart. Or perhaps you may know that your hopes and dreams are sealed in a tomb that holds you there because of all the violence in our world. If that's where you are, be encouraged on this Easter Sunday morning because Easter means for us that God will one day overcome this, all of this, once and for all. And we only get little blinks of it, (laughs) little lights of it now and then. 
And that would be what I'd tell you today. In the next 50 days, the great 50 days of Easter, I dare you, I dare you to look for resurrection because you will find it. You will find it because it's real. It's very, very real. And just as dawn is not the day, Easter Sunday is only the beginning, Jesus' resurrection is an encouraging glimpse of what's ahead for us. We call it dawn on Easter because its rays of light break through the shadows. It's an amazing thing, this concept of resurrection. Father Richard Rohr, Franciscan and Catholic priest, who is a pretty amazing mystic in our midst, a living mystic in our midst, tells us this. He tells us that resurrection and renewal are, in fact, the universal and observable pattern of everything. If incarnation is real, that means us us being made in the flesh, the world being created, then resurrection in multiple forms is to be fully expected. If divine incarnation has any truth to it, then resurrection is a foregone conclusion, not a one-time anomaly in Jesus. The risen Christ shows us a universal pattern It is a revelation of that pattern that Jesus Christ showed to us. Resurrection is about the whole of creation. It is about every human who has ever been conceived, sinned, suffered, and died. Every animal that has lived and died a tortured death. Every element that has changed from solid to liquid to ether over great expanses of time. It is about you and me. Today is Easter Sunday. But today is only the beginning, and rightly so, since a mystery as big as Easter cannot be contained in a single day. Easter beckons us to go forward into the world looking for the resurrection everywhere we go. So Easter comes not as a solution to creation's problems, but rather as profound assurance that a new irrevocable era has begun. In the end, love and justice and peace and joy will have a final word. Why? Why? Why can we proclaim this truth? Because God rolled the stone away. The people didn't roll the stone away. God did it. And it is God who continues to roll every stone away for you and me, freeing us to live fully, love expansively, and be all that God has created us to be. The sun has risen on this Easter morning and will continue to rise. And now, we, you and I, rise too. And let the people say, God's steadfast love endures forever. God's steadfast love endures forever. And God's faithfulness to all generations. Now we rise. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Amen.